KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, March 9th. We look into why some police officers who've committed misconduct haven't faced consequences. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A 2022 Teacher of the Year from National City is now accused of having an inappropriate relationship with a 13-year-old former student. Jacqueline Ma was arrested Tuesday at Lincoln Acres Elementary School, a day after a parent told National City Police they suspected Ma of sexually abusing their child. Ma posted bail and will be arraigned on March 14th in Chula Vista. The first naloxone vending machine has been installed in San Diego County. It's part of the county's effort to battle fatal opioid overdoses. Naloxone is a medication used to reverse opioid overdoses by restoring normal breathing. The new naloxone vending machine is at the McAllister South Bay Regional Recovery Center in Chula Vista. You don't have to be a member of the center to use it. It will dispense the opioid overdose medication for free. More vending machines are scheduled to be installed across the county. The ending of emergency food benefits this month amounts to nearly 8 million fewer meals each month for San Diego County residents in need. That's according to recently published research by the San Diego Hunger Coalition. As of last June, nearly one in four San Diego County residents were nutrition insecure or unable to pay for three healthy meals a day. According to the Hunger Coalition, county households will see a minimum of a $95 reduction in their CalFresh benefits, with some monthly reductions as high as $250. But some CalFresh households may be eligible to increase the benefits they receive by contacting San Diego Hunger Coalition partner agencies or the county. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. San Diego police have released almost 100 records of officer misconduct, but a third are missing what discipline the officers received. Reporter Gustavo Solis tells us about the impacts that could have. A warning, the story contains graphic sounds. In 2019, the San Diego Police Department's procedure for a carotid restraint was that they should be applied no longer than 15 seconds. In December of that year, Officer Dylan Fuston held one for 38 seconds. Police body camera shows another officer telling Fuston to stop, but he kept going. Go ahead, go ahead, let him go, let him go, he's, go ahead, let him, let him go. The man he stopped doesn't know why officers want him in handcuffs. Fuston doesn't introduce himself or tell the man why they want to question him. Stay right there, put your hands on stay right there. Turn around, turn around, turn around. According to police documents, the man tried to headbutt Fuston. Internal affairs investigators said that Fuston's chokehold created a substantial risk for bodily injury. But we don't know if Fuston was disciplined at all. 
Earlier this year, the San Diego Police Department made 93 misconduct cases available to the public. Every case was investigated by Internal Affairs, and investigators concluded that officers did something wrong. But one-third of those cases, including Fuston's, don't have any disciplinary records. That doesn't actually mean that these officers were not disciplined. It just means we don't have the records. There are multiple reasons why the public doesn't have access to those records. Retired La Mesa police captain Dan Willis says that there may not be a paper trail because the punishment was not severe. That's the most reasonable explanation is it was less than formal they handled. Like maybe the guy had to take a class. Maybe he had to do some different training. Maybe, uh, um, you know, he just got scolded by the lieutenant, you know, and maybe there's a little infraction notice in his file. San Diego police captain Jeff Jordan oversees the records department. He didn't make anyone available for an interview, but he did respond to questions via email. Jordan says that the police department has different retention periods for different disciplinary actions. For example, the department keeps written warning for two years before deleting them. That explains missing discipline records for older cases, but not for newer ones. David Loy is the legal director for the First Amendment Coalition. He says another reason for missing records is that officers quit or retired before they got in trouble. Historically, that has been somewhat of a common loophole where officers might resign to avoid a finding or avoid some you know, disciplinary sanction. Whatever the reason for the missing discipline, we know that Fuston left the force in 2022 and now works for the Sheriff's Department. It's unclear why he left and what, if any, disciplinary records the Sheriff's Department had access to. They say they check personnel files and history from previous employers. This lack of accountability creates tension between the San Diego Police Department and communities of color. Abraham Jarvis has several open complaints against SDPD officers. He's only 18 years old and has already lost count of how many times he's been pulled over. I'll say like approximately like, like 14 to 15 times. It's gotten to the point that he's afraid to drive. I would take the freeway just, just to go get my little brother from my auntie's house because I didn't want to take the roads where, where they could pull me over, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, overall, it's been, it's, it's been tough. His mother, Evelia Jarvis, doesn't think the department is taking their complaints seriously. She also believes that her son would be safer from the police outside of San Diego. So Abraham is going to join the army. When we discussed that, I just felt, oh. yeah, I felt it was going to be safer to just get out of Southeast San Diego. Jarvis says it was a difficult decision to make. Um, of course, no one wants to see their child leave, you know, but I'm like, this is going to benefit my child. And just the fear, the fear of just knowing that anytime he's out and about, they can do anything and get away with it and ask questions later. And it is what it is, you know, and that's it. There's, they don't get a consequence. She's always respected the police, but their treatment of her son has changed that. She says now she respects the ones who are doing their job, not the ones harassing her child. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. This story was reported with iNewsource, an independent-funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. It's one of the most beautiful areas in San Diego, and now the future of De Anza Cove is starting to come into focus. Reporter John Carroll has more on a new proposal just released by the city. 
The new proposal comes in the form of a draft to the overall Mission Bay Park Master Plan. It reimagines how the 505-acre De Anza Cove Recreation Area will be laid out. If the current proposal holds, part of the campland on the Bay property would be restored to wetlands, but there would still be dozens of acres set aside for camping. The major change from past plans is the addition and restoration of wetlands. San Diego Planning Director Hadi Von Blum says that's important for habitat and to prepare for sea level rise. We have a sustainable, resilient plan for the future for this area so that it can continue to provide these opportunities for a lifetime of generations to come. The public comment period is open until April 20th. We have a link to where you can contribute your thoughts on our website, kpbs.org. John Carroll, KPBS News. The Army shelved its 1980s-era Be All You Can Be slogan in 2001, opting for a millennial-focused Army of One. Now, with recruiting numbers down, the Army is reaching into its recent past and resurrecting its classic campaign. Military reporter Andrew Dyer has more. You might remember the Army's Be All You Can Be slogan from the service's 1980s and 1990s ad campaigns. On Wednesday, the service formally reintroduced the slogan for a new generation of recruits. The Army's commanding general of its training and doctrine command, General Gary Brito, was in San Diego for a junior ROTC recruiting event. Be All You Can Be truly represents an opportunity of possibilities for all young men and women out there. The Army fell short of its recruiting goal last year by 25 percent. Brito rejected the notion that some Defense Department policies, characterized as woke by some Republican lawmakers, impact recruiting. We are not a woke army. We are we're an army that represents all of America. Brito said the Army is on track to meet its recruiting goal for 2023. Andrew Dyer, KPBS News. Coming up, we have details on the San Diego Latino Film Festival as it marks a major milestone this year. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Next month, a new leader will take command of San Diego's Salk Institute. SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge tells us more about Jerry Joyce. Walk down the hall that leads to the president's office of the Salk Institute, and you see six photographs on the wall. They show the six Nobel laureates who did their life science research at Salk. President-designate Gerald Joyce, everyone calls him Jerry, says they are a symbol of the Institute's laser-focused vision. As important as the teaching mission is, that's not what we do here. As important as the clinical mission is, that's not what we do here. We are 100% focused on scientific discovery. 
A native of Kansas, Joyce headed west to get his Ph.D. from UC San Diego. He has been a faculty member at Salk Institute since 2017. He says despite Salk's past accomplishments and its global reputation, it's all about what science comes next. One example? We now see a union of understanding biological systems with new technologies, especially computational technologies, to harvest big data and use that as a guide to experiments and, and hypothesis formations. That big data will play a huge role in Salk's effort to map the 90 billion neurons of the human brain, funded by the biggest grant in the Institute's history. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. International Women's Day was marked in San Diego with several events, including a downtown rally in support of women half a world away. Reporter Melissa May has the story. Wednesday's rally was to support Iranian women. Organizers call it the Women, Life, Freedom Movement. Bibi Kasrayi is the spokesperson for the San Diego Iranians group. It's a day of solidarity of women who give life. Our slogan is Women, Life, Freedom. Women want a good life. They want freedom and they want unity and support of the world. And on this day, we are counting on you to be our support because women of Iran are not only fighting for their own rights, but they're fighting for your rights as well. The group has held 30 rallies since a woman named Asa Amini died in the custody of Iranian police last year. They say they will continue to be the voice of the women of Iran. Melissa May, KPBS News. The San Diego Latino Film Festival has a big birthday this month. It celebrates its 30th year of showcasing diverse Latinx voices from around the globe. It will be screening 160 films over 11 days at AMC Mission Valley and Digital Gym Cinemas starting today through March 19th. My colleague Beth Hacamondo previews the festival with its founder, Ethan Van Thillo, and exhibitions director Moises Esparza. Ethan, the San Diego Latino Film Festival is on the eve of its 30th edition. So how does that feel in terms of how far you've gone? Super excited, you know, we can't believe it. It's been 30 years since I came to San Diego. I met with some students at UCSD, Vos Fronteriza, and I said, hey, let's organize a Chicano Film Festival. And they eagerly said, yes, of course, if you do all the work. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Uh, started as a small student film festival, UCSD, SDSU, Centro Cultural de la Raza, UABC in Tijuana. And then now we're uh, almost at the big event, 30 years, over 160 movies, 11 days. It's pretty incredible to think about where we've come and how we've grown over the years. And not only has the festival grown, but talk a little bit about the changes you've seen just in terms of the kinds of film that you're getting from abroad and also from the United States. Yeah, you know, I always tell this story, you know, uh, when I first started the film festival, I would call a filmmaker up and they would, you know, uh, call him in Mexico City and then they would look in their closet and say, yeah, I got, I got the 35 millimeter print in, in the uh, closet. And so, yeah, it's available. Um, but since then, the world of cinema and film festivals has changed uh, greatly. I mean, so many film festivals around the world, so many Latino festivals, distributors, agents. And so now just trying to get the films is, is a challenge for our curators and selection committee. So it's been harder to get the 
films and content. And then, of course, we all just lived through this pandemic where the streaming giants now, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, have just basically taken over and bought all the content. And they unfortunately don't allow film festivals or smaller movie theaters to screen the films that we would like to screen always. But so now the festival and the committee and the selection committee has shifted, and we're really focusing on emerging Latino talent, which is actually wonderful when you think about it, because that's how we got our start 30 years ago. So I think it's important when you look at the current selection this year and how we're supporting young Latino filmmakers locally, but also from out, throughout Latin America and Mexico. So it's almost like this shift has been good for us, and it kind of refocused us on what's important, which is to get young Latino filmmakers or young Latino actors in front of the screen. And Moises, we are sitting here at the Digital Gym Cinema at its new location. And what role is the cinema going to be playing this year in the festival? Well, the new Digital Gym Cinema opened in May of 2022. And for this edition of the San Diego Latino Film Festival, it's acting as its satellite screen. So it will be fully integrated into the festival programming every single day. We've had a great turnout at the Digital Gym Cinema over the last couple of months. Our audience seems to be growing, and I think the San Diego Latino Film Festival is going to expose a lot more people to our wonderful cinema. And I know there's not a theme that's set for each year, but as you are selecting films and seeing films coming in, have you seen anything emerge in terms of kind of uh, commonalities amongst films? Even though if we don't have an overarching theme for the edition of the festival, we do like to program around specific issues or themes. Uh, so we're looking to highlight the immigrant experience every year, uh, the LGBTQ plus experience every year, the indigenous experience. We have a great showcase called Historias Originarias this year. So it's all about uh, the indigenous experiences of individuals all over Latin America and Mexico and the United States. Even though we don't program like this year, we're focusing on one specific thing. I think what we're looking forward to every year is making sure that we're covering as many experiences as possible. The Afro-Latino experience, women filmmakers is a big highlight every year. And in terms of common thread in the selection this year, I think, you know, for a year we saw a lot of like films that might have been made during COVID potentially. They were maybe a little bit more insular, less sets, less locations. But I think what I'm excited about this year is showcasing these new films that have kind of come, you know, after the height of the pandemic that are very ambitious uh, thematically as well as visually. They play with genre in very fascinating ways. I guess a common theme that I saw this year is like this play on domesticity, because I'm sure because we were all like locked away in our house, we were all like thinking about like house roles, the domestic sphere. So a lot of films this year, I think, are like playing with like what that means post-COVID, which I think is a pretty fascinating thing to like contemplate. All right. Well, I want to thank you both very much for talking about the 30th annual San Diego Latino Film Festival. Thank you very much for the invite. We'll see you at the festival. Thank you, Beth. That was Ethan Van Thillo and Moises Esparza speaking with KPBS film critic Beth Accomando. The San Diego Latino Film Festival runs through the 19th. And one more story before you go. San Diego firefighters are out and about at intersections today, and all for a good cause. 
Grab your dollars and loose change on your way out the door this morning if you want to support the Byrne Institute's 19th Annual Firefighter Boot Drive. Each year, hundreds of uniformed firefighters from departments across the county come together to fill their boots with donations for burn prevention education programs and burn survivor support programs. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.